Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good morning, brethren. Let me get situated here. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn to what is probably to the world the most well-known scripture in the Bible. That is Psalm 23. And we'll spend most of our time here. The 23rd Psalm. It begins... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, the 23rd Psalm is one of the most recognized of all Bible passages for people in the world. There, I've seen wall plaques and there's been hot plates done with it. And uh, it's now people of the world, they have a, a certain understanding, a superficial understanding of this. And the prose are, are put together very well, and it has a, an air of reassurance to people, and it, it comforts them. And I think that's its popularity. But they don't necessarily understand the the uh, the intricacies of this psalm. And that's what I want to go into today, so that, brethren, we have a, a deeper understanding of what was meant here. Because obviously this is a, a psalm that was written by David, who was a shepherd, and he was very familiar with with shepherding and herding sheep. And it's a common theme throughout the Bible that God and Jesus are our shepherd. And the Bible says that that Jesus is a shepherd who cares for his sheep, for his flock. And David did as well. David defended his flock against a lion and a bear. And and that is significant. It shows his his intent. It shows his heart. Now the uh, now the twenty third Psalm is of course one of David's Psalms, and uh, we're we're going to go through the first verse by verse. God refers to us as sheep, and He is the shepherd. It's important to understand some some things about sheep to understand how God sees us. Sheep, of course, have to be led. The, the owner goes before the sheep, and the sheep follow him. Other animals, like cows, I'm very familiar with, you drive cows from behind. If you went ahead of a cow and you called the cow, the cow would just sit there ruminating, and it wouldn't come. Sheep do. Sheep know their, their, uh, the voice of, of their master. Uh, I watched a video one time of a flock of sheep that were out in the pasture, um, not too far away from the fence. And there was a group of people with the owner, and the, the owner coached them on how to call sheep. And so they would, they would call the sheep, 
And the sheep, one or two might look up out of this herd of about a hundred or this flock of a hundred and, and then go back to eating. And one by one, there's three or four people who did this. And then the owner stepped up and he called the sheep the same way that the strangers were calling the sheep. And all of a sudden, the sheep looked up. They all looked up, not just a few, all of them. And he called again, and, and then they started to move. And pretty soon, they were all surrounding him at the fence. And this is a, one of the, the abilities of sheep is to differentiate the, the master's voice from a stranger's voice. And God says in John 10, 3 and 4, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is one of the abilities of sheep. Now, we in this society, which is we largely come from an urban society. I don't think there's too many people here who come from a rural society. But what's been lost to us is the these references to sheep and goats and so forth. And we don't understand the the nuances of these these um, references because we don't understand the, the characters of sheep and goats, whereas back in biblical times when these passages were written, they would have understood intimately um, what was being said and no further explanation would have been necessary. Next, sheep are very skittish. A rabbit bolting from beneath a bush will stampede a whole flock of them. They're that timid. And this is significant because when God calls us sheep, he, he refers to the characteristics of sheep, and he sees those characteristics in us. We recognize his voice. We've gone over that. We follow him. But we are also very timid as people. If you, you look at the way Christ was, Christ was very bold, and he wasn't afraid to stand up for what was right. It got him killed. We as people, we would, if, if the boss says to us, you know, you have to work the Sabbath, we're, we cower in fear, and, and we might say, oh, you know, I, I can't really do that. But Christ calls us to be bold and to stand up for our faith. Whereas our tendency, our natural tendency, is to, is to cower in fear and go along with whatever's um, in society. And sheep have a, have a, also have a tendency to follow the crowd. Within each flock, there is a budding order. And each sheep knows its place in that order. Among chickens, there's a pecking order. Among cows, there is a horning order. And I've seen this firsthand. When I have cows coming into the parlor, there'll be one cow standing there and another one starting by it. And this first one will swing her head and, and knock the, the, the one coming up in the, right in the face because 
the one standing there is of higher order than the one coming up. And that, that cow is saying, I'm first. You know your place. You stay behind me. And we don't necessarily know, like I spend a lot of time with these cows and I don't know their, their horning order, but they do. And every cow knows its place with, within the herd. And it's the same with sheep in a flock. They all know their place. Now, the theme of the 23rd Psalm is that we are under the shepherd's care. This pa- the passage also takes us through a year in the life of a sheep, and we will see this as we go along. The first verse, I'll go over it again. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Now, this first verse, it starts off being written in the voice of the shepherd, or the voice of the sheep, sorry. And this sheep, we can imagine, is bragging to a sheep on the other side of the fence that belongs to another shepherd. And he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And of all the domesticated animals, the sheep needs the most care since it has no defenses against predators. That's about all it can muster as a defense. The domesticated sheep depend entirely on the shepherd for its well-being. Brethren, this is how God sees us. And one of the reasons he calls us his sheep, because we are completely dependent on him for for our well-being. When when you look at what's out there in the world and and the way the the demons manipulate this world and I think now it's it's fairly evident uh what is happening, you know, there is some powerful forces out there and uh, we need all the protection we can get. Now this verse, this first verse should read, I shall not be in want or I will not lack. David lived in want, hiding in caves from Saul and experienced hunger, eating the showbread. But under the good shepherd, we don't live in want, spiritually speaking. You only have to look at the desperate lives of people in this world, of people of wealth and influence even. To, to know the, that they lead desperate lives and they are in, in spiritual need of a shepherd. This, and we brethren are privileged to be under the, the, the care of that shepherd who cares for us. Um, you, I won't ask you to turn to it, but John 16:33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. However, we have to follow our shepherd and respond to his leadership in order to get the best of care, guidance, and management that he has to offer. John 10, 11 to 13 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees 
and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. Our shepherd cares for us, brethren. He laid down his life for us. He didn't run away like a hireling. Are you willing to brag that the Lord is your shepherd? Going on to the second verse. The second verse. First of all, verse 1 starts out with the sheep at the home ranch in early spring where the lambs are born and the sheep are shorn before moving on to the summer pastures. And this is a, a secondary theme of this passage. It's, it's a year in the life of a sheep. And it's, a, it's a time that David knew well. Going on to verse 2, he, may, he restores... no. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, a sheep needs four things in order to lie down. They have to be free from fear. This is, there is no animal more timid than a sheep, as I mentioned before. It does not take very much to put the fear into them. They, they will not lie down unless they are free from friction within the flock socially. We'll talk more about this in a minute. They must be free of pests, bugs, insects, etc. A sheep does not have any defense itself from any of these insects. He depends on the shepherd's care. And fourth, they will not lie down if they are hungry. Where there is fear and tension in a flock, the, sheeps do not put on, the sheep do not put on weight, and the quality of their wool becomes poorer as time goes on. The rancher raises sheep for their wool and their meat, and so it is in his best interest to keep the flock healthy. A sheep will not drink from a stream of moving water. The shepherd has to dam the streams and create a pool of still water. Water is symbolic of God's word. A sheep can go a long period of time without water if the days are not scorching hot, if one condition is met, and that is that the sheep is up early to eat the grass with the dew that's still on it. Now, they won't, they won't thrive and gain weight in this situation, but they will maintain their health. And, and this, now, now I want to compare this to Jesus' habit of rising early and going off by himself to spend time with God alone before the cares of the day overtook him and occupied his mind. And this is, this is brought out in Mark 1.35. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. When sheep become thirsty, they tend to grow restless, and they will go out in search of water. If they do not find good water, they will take whatever is available. Usually, they will get this from puddles, that have been sitting in the sun 
for a while collecting nematodes, liver flukes, and other kinds of diseases that the sheep are susceptible to. And, and they will drink this water, and, and they'll become infected as a result. And we only have to look at society and the waters that society has been drinking from. That is the, the spiritual attitudes that have been passed on. And to see how society is progressing in their thought patterns as compared to, to how we think because we've been drinking the good water that, that Christ has given us. Jeremiah 2.13 brings this out. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Verse 3 states, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We sometimes need restoring. Psalm 42.11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. Now, cast down is a sheep term. Being cast down is one of the weaknesses that sheep have. And, and this one is the reason why a sheep requires the greatest amount of care of any domesticated animal. What has happened is that the sheep is laid down and it cannot get back up on its feet because it has somehow or another rolled over onto its back and the center of gravity has changed and its hooves no longer touch the ground and it will flail in the air. It does not have a mechanism to throw itself over back up onto its, its side and its feet. And once again, it will, it will flail about and a sheep that is cast down that is in that kind of position is easy prey for any kind of predator that might come along. They are absolutely helpless. It happens most often to those that are fat in a sense that they are overweight or pregnant. It especially happens to those that are of the long fleeced variety. They panic, they struggle, and while they are struggling, the gases that is from their, their rumen that is fermenting food begins to build up in the rumen, and it starts to fill up like a balloon, blowing it up. And it puts pressure on the vital organs and begins to cut short the, the breathing of the, the diaphragm, which makes it difficult for the sheep to breathe. It also begins to shut off circulation to the legs, it is a hot day. If it is a hot day, they will die within several hours. When the shepherd sees that a sheep is missing, he will go out looking for it, since it takes a while to reestablish circulation to the legs. He will put the, the sheep on its shoulder and carry it back to the rest of the flock. 
and we see this in, in pictures of secular pictures of Jesus with the, with the lamb over its shoulder. It was, it was a, a common practice. And, uh, if, if a shepherd saw that a, a sheep was becoming cast more and more often, he would put the sheep on a diet unless it was pregnant. And we run into the same problem, brethren. When we are fat, when we have great material wealth, we become like the Laodicean who says that I am, I am rich and I am in need of nothing. And we can be fooled by this society that's centered on materialism. And, and there is a health and wealth theology out there that says if you're doing well and you have lots of material goods, that God must be blessing you and that you're, you know, you're in, you're in his good books. And that's not necessarily so. We know that Christ says that in the world we're going to have trials because God is putting us through the paces. He's putting us through certain experiences so that he can test us and see what's in our heart. But not only that, but so that we will know what's in our heart. Now, how do we prevent ourselves from being, from becoming cast? Humanly, spiritually, what we have to do is we have to set goals within the framework of God's work. Spiritual, moral, and ethical goals in which we will discipline ourselves to accomplish and overcome. In other words, we have to put ourselves through spiritual exercises, put ourselves on a diet. If we don't, we are likely to be, to be like the Laodicean who perceives himself as being rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. But the way God saw them, they were wretched, poor, miserable, blind and naked. They were not exercising themselves vigorously in a spiritual basis, in order to maintain good health before God. Let us, let us explore the next passage. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, sheep are notorious creatures of habit. There is another one of the characteristics that God created within them. If they are left to themselves, they will follow the same paths day after day, until, they, until the trails become ruts. They will graze a field into a desert. They will pollute the land with parasites. The shepherd keeps the sheep moving around the pasture and so that the land isn't overgrazed and the parasites that are in their droppings are not there to reinfest them. It's particularly important that the shepherd understands the life cycle of the parasites, liver flukes and so forth, that affect sheep. Because when a sheep graze a certain area, their, their droppings can, uh, contain the eggs and larvae for these parasites. 
and the shepherd must move them away so that they, when these larvae mature, that they, they won't have any sheep to reinfest. The shepherd moves them to another area of the pasture, maybe another field, and, and he records in his mind how long, 30 days, 40 days, maybe 60 days that it takes. And then before he moves the sheep back into that area, knowing that these parasites have died, he's interfered with their, their life cycle. And that way he'll keep the sheep healthy. Now, brethren, many of us, most of us possess plenty of knowledge, but few really possess the determination to act on it, to keep on moving to new ground, just as the shepherd moves the sheep around. And by the way, God kept Israel moving around in the desert. Now, we, uh, we need to keep moving because staying, staying in the path, in the path of righteousness, um, we we get we get complacent if we don't keep moving in our lives, and and uh, and adjusting our our lifestyle and looking at where we are in relationship to God, and God gives us a time. It's called Passover for us to evaluate ourselves. We look at where we've come in the last year, whether we've moved closer to God or whether we moved far, farther away. And then we evaluate how we are going to get back into alignment with God if we've gotten out. And if we haven't, if we've moved along, then we're encouraged by that and we keep moving closer and closer to God. From the, from the sheep's, and this is, this is brought out in this passage, the sheep move through the valley, from the home farm, up through the valley to the, to the highlands, and they're, where they're, it's symbolic of being in close proximity to God. Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And he was, he was closer to God. This is all this own symbolism that's, that's, uh, I believe David was tried to get out in this passage. Um, in four, in verse four, we read, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, from the sheep's perspective, we've left, we've left the home farm and we are climbing up the valley to the summer pastures in the mountains. There is a change of tone here in that the sheep is now talking to the shepherd. Valley of the shadow of death should really read deep gloom. The Hebrew word used here means deep gloom. Shadows are symbolic of things that we fear. There are times when we are going to get into very shadowy areas. These periods of disappointment, frustration, and discouragement. And there is no way around them. We have to go through them if we are going to get to the top of the mountain. 
and the top of the mountain symbolized the close relationship with God. Now, we can't be airlifted to the top of the mountain. We have to go through these experiences in life to develop godly character and therefore to come in closer relationship with God. In a close personal relationship with him, we must walk through the valleys. Now, because... We have, we have confidence that we can arrive at a close personal relationship with God because our shepherd is by our side helping us along the path. Now, the, 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 final, the final part of verse 4 says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod was a piece of wood that was cut from a a small tree, usually of hardwood, and it was about two to three inches in diameter. And the shepherd would cut this and leave the, the root, a portion of the root ball so what he would have is a about a two foot piece of wood with a, a hard ball on the end and this is what the shepherd's rod was the shepherd would would sand it down and and work it so that it fit his hand exactly and then he would start to throw it just like today boys throw baseballs the shepherd would throw his rod and he would get good at it so that he could, he could throw it with a great deal of accuracy. And the rod, the rod was thrown at, at sheep. Now remember I, I mentioned that there was, that sheep could not lie down unless they had peace within the flock. And what would quite often happen is the sheep would start butting. They would butt their way up the social order in a, in a flock. And the sheep, then the rest of the sheep could not relax. So what the shepherd would do is he would take his rod and he would throw it at the sheep and, and hit the sheep a good one and whack in the side of the head. And this would calm that sheep down. It would stop it from budding. And it would also calm down the rest of the flock. And then there would be peace again. Now, now the, uh, I, once, I once was part of a, a church congregation uh, that in the Baptist church where I experienced this firsthand, where there was budding. The, the deacons and their wives wanted control over the church. And they, in a sense, butted their way to the top. Now, this created such tension in the church that the church is no more. It's gone. That congregation is gone. And we have to be careful, brethren, that we don't cause tension in the, the flock of God. This is, this is a, we being like sheep, we seek um, peaceful interaction between each other. Now, I'll, I'll move along here. Verse 5, 
says, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Now, this verse doesn't mean that that God has set up a table with, with china and, and crystal and, and cutlery on it. A table here refers to a table rock or a plateau. We use the French word plateau. Uh, down the States, they use the word mesa. And other, word, other places in the world, they use different word, words, but they all mean the same thing. An elevated, flat land. And that's the, the objective of the shepherd is to take his sheep up to the, the plateaus. And this would be their summer grazing ground. Now, he did this because down in the valley it was too hot. And up top, there was the, it was cooler for the sheep who would now be growing uh, a new coat of, of wool. And they needed the... Um, they needed the cool of the mountain air. And we'll go on. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are confident that we will continue to be with that uh, that God will continue to be with us right to the end. That's where surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life come in. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. He is always with us. He is always there. We are, on, we are only going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever if we obey and keep God's commandments and statutes now. Let's remember this, brethren, as we approach Passover. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.